Howdy there, folks. You're listening to another exciting episode of You're Not My Father. Coming to you not so live from our studios here in Anchorage, Alaska. Get ready. I'm a podcast superstar. Welcome back to another exciting episode of You're Not My Father. It's the exhausted edition. It's the massive, we've been slacking for a long time, massive catch-up edition, where we tell you what's been going on since the last episode, which was probably pre-COVID or somewhere around there. I'm not quite sure. Maybe it was during COVID or not. Fair warning. I have the coronavirus. So I'll get a little closer to the microphone to induce a little bit of a thrill to make this a dangerous process. Make sure that you're uh, you're uh, not too close to the speakers or the listening or something might happen. Um, but it won't be Corona because we know that coronavirus cannot be spread that way. Uh, not through the magical microphones or anything else like that. Um, so I am also going to partake in a beverage, which I encourage you to do so as well, because everything works better with a little libation. My choice is Canada dry, zero sugar ginger ale. Um, everything's bad for you, including diet drinks. So salute Mazel Tov and all the other various things that I can't remember. I probably should, but won't. Canada Dry, not a sponsor, but if you'd like to, feel free to contact me. I'm not even sure how you contact me, but great. Um, so anyway, since the last episode, we have been extremely busy. Um, just to kind of catch you up on where we've been and <clears throat> where we ended up at. Um, a lot of things have changed. So as you don't know, I was going to say, as you probably already know, but that's not the case. Small family um, in a small house. Um, Small families get bigger or rather the people get bigger. So that type of stuff happens. And um, we were we were living in that uh, house of uh, that first starter house, which was kind of interesting because uh, it's the first house we bought. It was in a great location, great place, and it served us really, really well. And to... um, that end, uh, we, we lived there for six years. And during that time, uh, we had a newborn Conan. He was like six months old and Sophia was five and a half years old and yeah, three bedroom, um, three bedroom, 1200 square foot house, 1100 square foot house, no garage. Excuse me. In Alaska is, it's, it, it works, can work, doesn't have to work really well. Um, didn't really leave a lot of space for activities and that type of thing. So there were some challenges there. Definite, definite challenges. Um, so we, we wanted a bigger house. The kids were bunked into the same room. Um, of course, you couldn't tell that because as any dad, parent will tell you, your kids are going to be sleeping in your bed off and on for a long time, unless you're, you know, that solid of a parent. You're like, hell no, you're not sleeping in my bed. Um, you know, it'll happen. So we didn't really feel the pressure because, you know, the kids weren't using the beds and we were using one of those bedrooms as an office. So we could bring you fine. <laughs> Some of the top grade A entertainment that we're bringing you today um, in that office. And I put that very lightly and laugh at it because it is laughable. But um, anyway, so that was the story for that house. We uh, we lived there. Um, it was great until we started running out of space. And um, we had pondered moving into a new place, finding a new place, being able to afford a better place, you know, the house that we wanted um, for for a long time. But uh, right around 2020, beginning of 2020, as it would be, uh, we started looking at other places and 
started, you know, pondering, you know, what it was going to take to, to move and that type of thing and saving money and whatnot. Um, but we weren't really quite ready for it. And then, um, one day I got a notification from my bank saying that our house was worth about $75,000 more than, uh, what we had in it for the most part. And that was interesting. <laughs> about $75,000 more than we paid for it. Um, you know, we really just kind of cut the interest part of our house. We didn't, we weren't really shaved off a whole lot of the uh, principal, if you will, of the house. So you had that number flash in my mind and I was like, holy moly, maybe it is a good time to sell your house. Um, and I looked into it and I was like, well, yeah, you know, the numbers would work. You know, we'd have enough for a down payment we'd have enough to move and potentially even have enough to, um, you know, get in and, and have some money left over. I was like, oh, that was pretty cool. So we started looking and uh, we have a realtor friend of ours who was great, who helped us buy the first house. And so we enlisted her and her mother to help us get down that path and start going forward on that. And, um, you know, <laughs> reality sets in and you get to the point where you're like, hmm, yeah, I, uh, I don't have all my ducks in a row, but maybe I will eventually. Um, so anyway, we go through an open house type of thing. We put our house on the market. Um, after we, we found a house that we really liked, we made an offer and, you know, it was a little bit expensive, but it was gorgeous. It was more than, than what we needed. And, um, me being the strategic mindset, um, I was like, yeah, this will, this will work out great for, you know, for, for work parties, you know, um, you know, kids coming over rehearsal space for the band that I want my kids to be a part of and, um, you know, videos and that type of stuff. You know, I could, I could see a lot of stuff going on in there and, um, it was great. Um, and during that process, um, you know, we had a home inspection, uh, the other buyers of our house had a home inspection and went back and forth and the whole, um, they have this, uh, thing where, you know, you've got, um, how should I say it? It's more like a, um, it's like a bargaining phase. Like where they'll come back with a punch list. You know, we want this fixed. We want this fixed. Excuse me. That's what Canada draw I'll do to you. Um, you'll kind of go back and forth on, you know, what you want fixed and what you agree to have fixed. So we did that and, um, yeah, they agreed to it. And then all of a sudden we get word back that, um, the sellers are having to back out. And apparently this guy lost his job, got COVID and, um, yeah, this was like right in the beginning. So, whoa, yeah, big deal. So, um, we sat on the market for a long time. Um, you know, us being in Alaska, um, it was still winter time. Spring was close to coming on board and, um, yeah, things were, things were looking kind of grim there because nobody was looking to really, uh, buy a house or, you know, our house didn't look as great because it had all this ice and snow all over it. I'm taking another pause for ginger ale. most thrilling moments in the world of podcasting. <clears throat> so anyway, long story short or shortening up a long story. Uh, we're going to fast forward to right whenever spring started coming in and yeah, our spring where snow starts melting off and, um, we start getting softers. We start getting things moving and shaking. And anyway, I'm going to cut this off right now. We started in January and by the time we went through putting offers on houses and deals falling through and getting out bid back and forth, back and forth, literally a six month process. We went through all kinds of ups and downs and like this house is perfect. We'll make an offer on it. And then we get out bid. Um, then we keep bidding and, we fall in love with it and 
you know, we're emotional, we're upset. Um, then we find another house and then depression sets in and you're riding these tidal waves of emotions. Um, and meanwhile, we're still having to <laughs> go to work and, you know, be a family and do the things that you're needing to do. Um, yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty difficult. You know, we put all our, our, most of our stuff in storage, um, for a while. Um, so it sat there and, you know, we were kind of living in like the, uh, what I'd like to call the bare minimum type of living arrangement, which was great. Um, everything looked great. Um, you know, there wasn't a lot of clutter and, uh, it was kind of a nice, nice place to be. Excuse me. Ginger ale. Apologies. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> oh man. Um, so yeah, we, uh, we have this, uh, place that had been cluttered for so long and I kind of came to this realization that, you know, if we don't sell the house, no big deal. You know, we kind of like the house being decluttered, not having a lot of our stuff in here. In some ways, we didn't really miss it. Um, sometimes you did. You know, there was the odd piece of kitchen equipment or, um, you know, some random thing that I, I needed, you know, like a guitar thing or Maybe I just wanted to do this or whatever, but it wasn't that big a deal. But the emotional part of it was the biggest deal, you know, the ups and downs and really trying to, you know, I don't know, make sense of like where you're at and where you're going. You know, it's that fear, fear of the unknown is something that we learned quite a bit about of ourselves um, during during the year. And, you know, I just said something about 2020. I really meant 2021. Um, for 2020, we were pretty well in lockdown. So I'm going to redact that statement. We didn't start looking for a house in early 2021. It was, it, or I'm sorry, not early 2020. It was early 2021. Uh, a lot of people make jokes about 2020 and 2021, you know, blending into the same year. It's absolutely true to me. <laughs> it was a really long period of time and almost kind of still in it because technically it's still 2021. Um, it's August 28th, whenever, you know, we're making this podcast. Um, so yeah, it's really started at the beginning of this year, 2021. And, um, we moved into our new place. Um, it was a very interesting story how we found the place. Um, you know, going on this, you know, emotional railroad, <laughs> rail, railroad coaster, I don't even know how to say it now. Rail coaster? Roller coaster. Jeez. Kind <laughs> of lay off the Canada dry. Um, after being, you know, through this roller coaster of emotions and, and you know, false starts and getting your hopes up and whatnot, um, our realtor calls us up out of the blue and says, hey, there's a house right next door to me that hasn't gone up for sale yet that um, the realtor... You know, I talked to the realtor and told her about your situation and said, you know, hey, we'd be willing to come in at a full price offer and, um, you know, basically it'd be a really easy flip for, for the house and the family that were living in it and that type of stuff. And um, they said, yes, we came and took a look. Um, it wasn't ideal, but it was pretty awesome. Um, still is pretty awesome. Really great location. Um, and we're friends with our realtor. So that was a big bonus to us. Um, just overall, it was just, it was a really great deal and just kind of fell in our laps and kind of felt like a divine intervention type of thing. I think it happened directly after like one of the other houses fell, fell through. So, um, yeah, I believe in a higher power and, uh, yeah, and it seemed to work out really well for us. So, we uh we were able to do an early occupancy in our old house there was all kinds of weird little things in closing and being able to move um the pandemic has changed quite a bit of things so the real estate wheels officially on the paperwork level move really slow inspections and um title and appraisals 
just work, work really, really slow. Um, and there's so much money being thrown around in the real estate market. Um, everything's price higher than what it would be. Interest rates are super, super low. So it's, it's both the, the best of times and the worst of times to buy a house here in Alaska. Um, absolutely. And uh, we did it all during that time period, which was really, uh, <clears throat> really kind of weird. Um, so we, we ended up moving in um, right around 4th of July, you know, a few days before that. Got our keys early occupancy. I don't think we officially took possession of the house until later in that month, um, which was kind of interesting. And if you hear a cricket, it's actually my mouth scrolling, so kind of scrolling through photos, trying to give you the the story. Um, so yeah, we go we go into the house and do this final walkthrough um, before we. We take possession of the house, you know, as a, as a rental, I guess, if you'd call it. And, um, you know, just kind of do a walkthrough and take some pictures and whatnot. And, you know, we've already walked through the house a couple of times. And so the uh, the next day we start loading up the truck and bringing stuff over. Um, so it took us a good few days to move. And we were trying to get out of our house because the people that wanted the people that were buying our old house really wanted to get in. So, you know, we, we had this kind of, you know, cooperation going on, you know, that we're, we're going to get out quick so you can get in and, you know, that type of stuff. So we're moving in and, um, or, or, or getting things moved and whatnot. And, um, I think this actually happened, yeah, I think this happened like the next day. I'm trying to find exactly when it happened. Um, yeah, so we started moving on July 2nd. And um, yeah, we, uh, I think it was July 2nd. I forget what, what day it was, but the, uh, Actually, I don't, I don't know. It was pretty traumatic. Anyway, so around that time period, we were, we were about to move and um, there was a fire at our neighbor's house and their dogs got out and our cats kind of go in and out. You know, we've got a cat door, but we didn't have a fence in yard per se. And the two dogs got out and mauled our cat Smokey. And he was on the phone with Julie and whenever she found him and it was horrible. Um it was horrible for, for everybody. And, um, yeah, it's, it's still painful to even talk about because, you know, he was, he was our little fur baby. Um, and we still got his brother and, um, yeah, it was just kind of a, a terrible day. Um, and, uh, yeah, anyway, yeah, I think that was like a week or two before we actually officially moved out. But, um, Anyway, not to make this a really sad story, but um, we got moved into the new house. Um, officially got everything moved out of the old place. And um, <laughs> it took us a couple weeks and we got everything moved out of the storage unit. And, you know, our garage is still full from that. Um, but in your house is, you know, it's it's ample for what we have and who we are and whatnot and you know we bought a lot of furniture because we didn't have <laughs> hardly any furniture comparatively speaking not at least to kind of make this house the same and so with a, a, a huge crazy housing market right now uh, a lot of buying and selling going on we didn't think that buying furniture was going to be difficult oh but it is everything that we wanted um was already sold out um, you, know, you had display models that they were unwilling to sell because those things were, you know, essentially what they were selling, you know, future orders on. Um, so I've still got pictures of really cool things that we wanted. Um, I did end up getting a couch um, that was really, really fit our needs and, and does it well. And um, so, so we're in the house like, I think, two weeks 
two, three weeks or something like that. Everything's finally getting moved in. And um, I've got a business trip. Um, I've got to go to Nashville. It's for a uh, um, you know professional association that I, we're, I'm a member of. Me and my wife are a member of. And um, so I ended up flying out to Nashville. Um, <laughs> just kind of felt like I just got in the house and now I'm having to leave. And um, so this was the first flight that I'd actually done since COVID had happened. You know, all these types of events were canceled um, in 2020. And, you know, people were talking about, you know, can you do this? Can can we actually have this? And I was like, you know, damn it, I've, I'm done. You know, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'd had my Moderna shot back in, I think, April, March, somewhere around there, um, as soon as it was available. So... I was prepped up and ready to go. And um, spoiler alert, I did not get it while I was on the trip there. <laughs> so um, we fly into uh, a direct flight down into Salt Lake City and we're there for most of the day. And then we have a short flight to Nashville. And, um, you know, being in the industry that I work in, yeah, I'm keenly aware of what uh, challenges people have in the hospitality and retail industry. And um, usually whenever you go to these types of conventions, you know, it's a big place. This was at the Gaylord Opryland in Tennessee. So big place. Been there before. Um, you know, usually really, really great food. Um, the mall across the street is huge and amazing. And um, all, the, all the food's horrible because they can't get staff to, to work it. Um, or if there is, I don't know, maybe they just, the people aren't really great in what they're doing. Um, so yeah, um, most of the places we weren't, went wasn't, weren't that great. Um, the food was just pretty lackluster. Um, you know, the education and the networking, everything else was, was amazing. Like it always is, but, but the food wasn't. So, um, outside of, uh, morning at um, Cracker Barrel with, by the way, I had a Michelob Ultra or Bud Light Platinum. I forget what it was, but I had beer for breakfast with biscuits and all kinds of other stuff at Cracker Barrel. That was pretty awesome. So that was like a a moment I had. <laughs> Speaking of which, another Canada Dry sip here. So yeah, Nashville was really, really hot. Flights were crazy getting back. It's about a day trip to get there and then a day to get back. When I say a day, I mean like it's about 20 hours, you know, give or take being in um, airport security and all the other stuff. <clears throat> I did get to have Chick-fil-A a couple times. Also really good highlights. Um, so I come back and I'm like, great. <laughs> now what do I do? Um yeah, we still don't have a lot of furniture. We go out and buy some some furniture, some restored furniture, and hang some curtains, and just kind of take a breather. Just kind of take it all in. Um, you know, actually use the grill. Um, a lot of these things that we haven't been able to do for for most of the summer. Um, and that wasn't that long ago. That was just a a few weeks ago. Um, what my, my wife had a, um, melanoma spot on her, on her arm and, um, she had that removed. It was cancerous and they had to go and cut the rest of it and they got it out and they got it all. So that's great. So she should be in good shape. Um, and I took out her stitches today, which I'll explain why I did that. Excuse me. Um, I wouldn't necessarily recommend that everybody try to take out stitches on their own, but um, I've had a little bit of medical training. That's probably all I'll say. But <laughs> anyway, let's just put it this way. Turned out fine. She's doing okay. Um, saved some money, which I wouldn't recommend to do it. We just, the only reason we did it is because of COVID and we didn't want to stress an already stressed out uh, medical system up here. Um, so, yeah, that's great news. All that's cleared up. We adopted a uh, 
another cat. Her name's Sasha. She's a Russian blue cat. You probably see her on our YouTube channels. Um, just go to YouTube and look for <laughs> You're Not My Father. Um, and then also put the word Conan in there and you'll probably find us. We're not as easy to find, but um, I think it's YouTube.com YNMF. Um, if you will. So anyway, we'll see some videos of her. Um, so I get back from, from that and removing things and tearing up stuff, getting all the stuff out of the storage locker, which we did, which we're technically where I talked about. Um, what else? Yeah. So, um, we have some new moose in the yard. I do some testing for one of our new YouTube videos with some new equipment that we got, uh, a little bit of that real estate money. And um, we did a Bakugan video with Conan, and that was pretty cool. Got some better lighting. Um, we'll hook up some picture frames and some new pictures to try and make our house a little bit more than what it was. We got the kitties an outdoor cage, which they enjoyed. Um, let's see. What else? I went to a Foo Fighters concert, which was the first concert that they'd ever played in Anchorage ever. Um, I think it was the first concert Dave Roll ever did in Anchorage as well. Um, standing room only, general admission. Although the tickets we got were um, not general admission, whatever. they It was pretty lackluster type of security and um, arrangements, but it was cool. It was a really great concert, but standing on our feet from like 5.45 until midnight. Um, that was rough. <laughs> Not kidding. Take a seat. Not that you'd ever really want to take a seat at a concert like that. Um, I saw somebody get thrown out of the concert before they even got, you know, even before they took the stage. Um, it was a really great concert. They rocked it really hard. They were a super tight band. Um, not exactly a family-friendly band, from a from a metaphorical standpoint, but um, if you get past a couple f bombs, actually a lot of f bombs, Dave's a an f bomber. Um, if you can get past the f bombs, it's it was definitely a family friendly show. Beyond that, um, <laughs> so here's where it gets interesting. So um, it was a little over a week ago. Um, my wife's family flew up from Alabama and um, we went on a whirlwind tour. Um, they actually f <laughs> actually flew in right while I was at the concert. And um, so their kids were all like, Uncle Brando's at a food fighting championship. <laughs> it was like a food fighting championship. Oh, I mean, that's great. <laughs> but um yeah, some of them hadn't been to Alaska before. Um, so I did the the great son-in-law, you know, brother-in-law type of, you know, I'll take you wherever you want to go. We'll, we'll see whatever you want to see. Um, and, you know, kind of exhausted stuff. So we went out to Whittier and it was bright and sunny, which is, you know, they have this saying, it's always in Whittier. And it was actually sunny in Whittier. And that was amazing. And, um, uh, after that, we went down to trying to <laughs> looking through the pictures. We went down to Portage Glacier, um, running around turning an arm. And um, I put on a big brisket to smoke for that day. And we smoked it all that whole next day and then night. And then the next morning, um, I wrapped it up and put it in the fridge to, to rest. And we went down to Seward and went on a boat tour and ate at some amazing places and ice cream. Um, and believe it or not, I almost felt seasick, which I normally never do. Um, but I think because of the interior was so hot, um, it was a little weird, but the kids were fun. Conan throws up, um, almost on a regular basis in the car, I guess from motion sickness, he didn't throw up. That was amazing. Um, anyway, we made it back into town had smoked brisket, which is amazing. Um, went to the Alaska zoo the next day. Um, we just did pretty much anything and everything that we could. And then, um, 
here's where the tragedy of the story happens. <laughs> well, not exactly, but when we got our nails done, I'm sorry, we got a pedicure, really great pedicure and um, foot massage, that type of stuff. And um, I think we went to the outdoor market and we had a nice dinner at one of the best restaurants here in town. Um, and I think it was that Monday that some of us started feeling a little ill. And the next day, you know, granny started feeling really bad. Um, but it seemed more like an allergy type thing. Um, cause you know, my allergies had been acting up for a while and, you know, I seemed to feel like it was an allergy type of thing. So anyway, they left. Um, and then the next day, you know, still no big deal. Kind of felt like it was allergies or whatever. And then, um, my nose started running. I think it was that Wednesday night and Thursday morning. I, I wake up. I'm like, you know, this kind of feels like a, like a cold. This is not, you know, like an allergy type of thing. And yeah, you know, everybody else is, is fine. So I'm like, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay home. Um, you know, just to be on the safe side. And then, um, we're getting the kids up and ready to go to school. And then Sophia says that she's got a, a sore throat. And then I hear Julie coughing just a little bit. I'm like, you know, it's probably a good idea if we all just stay home. And, uh, you know, once the coffee kicked in, which it did, um, I was like, you know, we should probably just go ahead and get tested. So I think this is about nine something, um, pounding coffee pretty heavy at that point. And, uh, we get tested, you know, the next day I farting, starting to feel, did I say farting? <laughs> I probably did at some point. Um, starting to feel, you know, more like a cold. Um, not not COVID at all. Um, test results still don't come back, but um, definitely feel really tired. Um, not bad, but just tired. And then, um, you know, Saturday comes along, and you're like, yeah, this doesn't feel great. Um, you know, a little bit more runny nose. We finally get our test results back. Everybody else got their test results back, you know, and they came back positive. And so we're still waiting and, uh, we get ours back and it's like, well, yeah, we figured it would be positive. So it's positive. And, um, yeah, so quarantined and isolated and staying at home and that type of stuff. And yeah. So, I mean, you know, symptom wise, I mean, at some point I had diarrhea, but I thought that was Taco Bell, <laughs> you know, earlier, I guess, before I was having symptoms. Um, and then they were pretty mild for, you know, however many days, I, I guess, um, but, you know, very more kind of like allergies, I guess. Um, and realistically, probably maybe we got exposed, you know, we were on long card rides for, you know, four hours in some cases with family that had gone through all the airports and stuff like that, which and you know, honestly they were unvaccinated. Um, so yeah, so I had a, a breakthrough case is what you call it. And, um, yeah, but I mean, outside of that, I feel pretty good. You know, it just kind of feels like a common head cold. If you'd say that, you know, a little bit of congestion, um, nose is more itchy than anything. It's like, you know, I'll sneeze, but, don't have like all the mucus type stuff or whatever that comes out of it. Um, so yeah, we got off pretty lucky. Um, <laughs> if you'd ask our realtor and neighbors and friends, they'd, they'd be like, well, you know, you know, it's a little bit more, they're a little bit more apprehensive and, and cautious. And I, and I thank them for, for caring about us in the way that they do. Um, we really, truly appreciate it. But, um, I think we're in good shape, but anyway, so <laughs> go back to taking the stitches out of my wife. Um, <laughs> so she was supposed to have them taken out on Monday. Um, obviously that's probably not going to happen. Uh, we don't want to, you know, the hospital situation Anchorage is pretty, uh, maxed out at this point in time. No, no point in stressing out that, um, type of thing at all. Um, 
which I actually have an interesting story about the, the hospital system. I was at the hospital for several hours, but I'll come back to that. Anyway, so um, she really wanted to get him out. So I was like, I'll, I'll do it. Um, you know, we watched a couple of videos on YouTube just to, you know, for me, get brushed back up on what to do. Um, you know, I had some medical training back in Cub Scouts, Boy Scouts, and even as a Scout Master and whatnot. Certainly didn't relate to stitches or whatever, but, um, you know, it's something that's that interests me, you know, common medical procedures. When I say common medical procedures, I mean, like, things that don't require a surgeon, things that you could do roughly from your own house without uh, much medical supervision, you know, doesn't require something, you know, <laughs> like an emergency room and, um, you know, crazy stuff like that, you know, things that you could, you could do in a survival situation without much, much harm. So obviously took all the precautions and followed the more modern advice of, how and what to do. And a lot of cases, my med bag, which is pretty substantial at this point, just because, you know, there's kind of a prepper boy scout aspect mentality of me, you know, that being prepared. Um, I was prepared. I had everything that we needed. Um, I actually ordered some new stuff to be a little bit better, um, prepared because some of my equipment was not as well as performed as well as I liked. You know, like the te the tweezers and the scissors. Um, but anyway, took care of that. She's doing fine. Um, <laughs> the reason why I was at the hospital recently, um, excuse me, I think it was after I got back from Nashville, um, I did a police ride along. So I think probably I didn't talk about this in one of the last episodes. So I think it was the tail end of 2019 right before COVID hit and actually right when COVID did hit, I was, um, in the citizens police Academy for the, um, Anchorage police department. Um, and so what that means is I'm not a cop. I never will be a police officer, not unless something radically changes. And I'm not a representative of the police department by any means, but, um, I did spend, several months in a, in a course, you know, it was like one day a week. Uh, some of it was like four or five hours a night during that one night during a week. And um, just kind of went through um, a lot of classes and courses on what the police department does and how they do it, some of their procedures, Q&A. Um, it was really, really informative um, and interesting. And it got cut off short. Um, there was a few things that we were supposed to get to do at the end of the class that we didn't get to do because of COVID and justifiably so, because, you know, obviously everybody had their hands full at that point um, and technically still do. But um, it was about a month or so ago. Um, yeah. And then they officially graduated from the, me from the class, but they said some of these things would be rescheduled for later on. And they did. So they reached out to me um, to, See if I want to do ride along. So ride along is just what it sounds like. You're going to be there to observe and ride along with the police officer. And um, I was like, yeah, I want to do that. So um, it was a Friday night. <laughs> I don't think it was Friday the 13th unless it was. It could have been. Um, actually, no, I think it wasn't. I think it was the Friday before that. I don't think I was that stupid. But um yeah. <laughs> so I get there an hour early and, um, they're like, you're, you're like way early. I'm like, Oh geez. Yeah. So I set my counter reminder for an hour ahead just to make sure I got there on time. Oh, well, I sure did. So went back to my truck and sat there for a while and came back about an hour later and, uh, really, really interesting. <laughs> they, uh, you know, I was in the waiting area and they came and got me and this one guy introduced himself. I think he was a sergeant, something like that. And he's like, yeah, um, well, we're going to take you into the, um, the bullpen. And so they had their, their shift meeting and I got thrown right into the middle of it. Um, not much fuss or, you know, issue. And then they had me stand up and introduce myself, which I wasn't expecting and tell them about why I was there and, that type of stuff. So I told him all about, you know, my background and my father being a police officer and, you know, why I was interested in, in doing all this. And, um, they gave me some body armor to 
put on and um, <laughs> away we went. Um, it was really interesting to see, you know, all the, the different things that we worked and we were kind of working. Um, I wouldn't say the worst part of town, but one of the, the more active areas of town. And we saw some interesting stuff. Um, I'd say probably in the first hour, we responded to uh, a sexual trafficking victim, um, some kind of domestic, dis- I would say domestic disturbance, a violent disturbance inside of a, a business, um, some other stuff, and then a pregnant lady trying to kill herself. So that's how we ended up in the hospital for, I think it was like for about two hours. Um, so they were completely booked up as typical during COVID. And, um, she was in our care until the uh, police officer, I'm sorry, until the medical professionals actually took her into custody, if you will. And, um, you know, being a, uh, <laughs> being an older guy, I've, I've been around quite a bit. And, um, at one point in time, I, I had somebody that was close to me that had threatened suicide. And, um, you know, I could, I could, uh, understand where they were at. And, um, this lady was quite a bit younger than me kid really in my eyes. And, um, yeah, she's handcuffed and, you know, she's got snot coming out of her nose cause she's been crying so much and she's in a wheelchair. And, um, I whispered to the officer, I was like, ask her if she wants to put her hood up. And so so he asked her and she's like, yes, so yes, please, please. And so he does. And he said it was a good call. And the only thing I, I could, you know, my mind is, you know, she's got to be embarrassed, you know, to be in here in handcuffs and that type of stuff. So allow her to, you know, what the Japanese would say, you know, um, save face. And so it was a way that she could save face. Um, and realistically, <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I think before. No, this was after that. Yeah. I, mean, I, I get I get that whole night mixed up. There was a lot that we responded to. But um, anyway, um, I, I kind of felt like I should watch all the clues from my my police officer um, that was assigned to me. Um, he didn't give me a whole lot of instructions outside of, you know, just a, a few, you know, procedural things. You know, if he somebody asked me some question, this is how I should respond or or whatnot. Um, anyway, I, I just ended up talking to her like a human being. And, um, I think it helped that whole process, you know, that we're, we're three human beings here in this room (laughs) and we're all waiting for some medical professional to come see you. And in that meantime, we've, we've got to exist in this room. You know, we've got masks on and all this other stuff. And yeah, you know, we've, we're going to be here for a while. What do we do? <laughs> and our police officer, or my police officer was uh, super amazing. I mean, just absolutely just one of the best officers I've ever seen. Um, I don't think he was that way because I was observing per se. I'm sure that would probably had a hefty element involved in it, but you could tell that this was him, you know. Um, you know, there was a couple times where, you know, he, he let loose a little bit and, but, um, overall that was, that was him. And you could see, you know, this is him as a person and, uh, the, the word respect comes up a lot. He was respectful to everybody. Um, you know, there was a couple points in time where, um, he had no respect for somebody, but he still treated them with respect. And to me, that was, that's, that's a professional. That's, that's somebody who you want to be as a police officer. And so that was amazing. But we sat with this, this lady in the hospital for like two hours. And, um, I think I like to think by the end of it, she was in a better place. Like she had gotten out of whatever, whatever mental fugue she had been in and had come to, you know, calm calmer type place. You know, she was had medical, um, issues with depression and whatnot. And, um, yeah, um, I'm not going to say that, uh, 
we were like her angels and <laughs> save your soul or anything crazy like that. Um, but, but I could definitely see where, where we is, we had assisted her. Um, and you know, let's just, I just hope that she, she is doing good and better. Um, certainly better, you know, with her family and, you know, I don't know how long, far along she was, but I think she's probably not due anytime particularly soon, but, um, yeah, you know, that was a, that was a big thing, but, um, yeah, we went and arrested somebody for domestic disturbance and some other people. Um, it, it was an interesting night. Um, there's a lot going on. I highly recommend anybody that is critical of a police department. And certainly if you're in the Anchorage, you live in the Anchorage area, which I can't imagine too many of my listeners actually being in Anchorage, unless they are, um, volunteer for the police academy before you go, <laughs> go crazy and, and bad mouth your police department, really understand and see what they do and how they do things and where they're at. I, I think that you'll, what you'll really come to understand is that they are a multicultural um, multi-gendered uh, police force made up of regular people. Um, actually, I would say irregular people. The regular people that became something different because they're out there for you and their families to protect them. Um, it's a paycheck. There's no doubt about it. I mean, there's a money aspect of it and there's certainly a certain calling that comes to it. But um, But they're out there risking their lives and they are risking their lives, um, for us. So they're, they're definitely doing us a service now with all the other things that are going on out there. There's bad people everywhere, but there's also good people everywhere as well. You just kind of have to look for them. Um, and you certainly can't just lump somebody all into, you know, one bucket and say that, you know, all those people are bad or, you know, that, all men are bad. All women are bad. You know, white people are bad. Black people are bad. Yellow people, green people, purple, you know, humans are bad. Martians are bad. You know, <laughs> it's getting a little ridiculous, but you know, you know, because of where you, what you are, doesn't mean that that's who you are. You know, I'm originally from the South. That doesn't make me a good person. A lot of people, have stereotypes as to what does a Southern person, who are they, you know, are they idiots? Um, I think nowadays a lot of people see them as really friendly people, which can be true. Um, there's certainly <laughs> tons of bad people for every good person, um, everywhere. And South, the South is no exception. You know, there's plenty of rude people and, and there's plenty of nice people. Um, I, I guess basically what you what you have to say is, you know, these old cliche homespun wisdoms, and I'll just say cliches, you know, you can't judge a book by its cover. Um, the reason why, you know, I think people gravitate towards using them, you know, at the same time kind of putting them off to the side is, um, yeah, it sounds pretty simple, but, you know, there's a reason why these phrases stay with us for so long um, is because it's, it's the truth. A lot of us don't want to hear it. I don't know why we kind of run away from it. Um, and I was a kid <laughs> hearing somebody say, you know, don't judge a book by its cover. I'd just be like, whatever, blah, blah. That's something my grandmother would say or whatever. And, you know, give it the times and, you know, that's not cool or whatever. Um, the older I get, the, it's like, geez, this essential information has been laying around forever. Um, and, and I think that's kind of the whole point of why I want to do You're Not My Father. Um, it's certainly not to, it's kind of a joke on several words and phrases and pop culture and stuff like that. But um, I guess the real point of it is that, you know, I'm not your father, but, um, you know, a broken clock is right twice a day. Um, another cliche type of uh, homespun wisdom. Um, you really should learn, listen to people and try to learn from them. Um, and I guess if you're listening to this, either A, 
I'm entertaining. B, I'm boring. Or maybe C, <laughs> um, I do have something informative to say. Maybe there's an insider. There's something in here that I said that's worth listening to. I think we're at like 50 minutes <laughs> of, of talking. Um, maybe there's something in here that's that's hopefully a life changer or a piece of wisdom that you walk away with. Like, you know, really, you know, that's, that's worth it. That's the gold in this, you know, podcast. Um, I will say this, you know, I went to that networking or that uh, business conference in Nashville and there was a few things there that were absolutely amazing that I walked away with. And it was insights and perspectives that, I just didn't have before. And one of them was, was so intriguing to me and settled so deep into my brain that I couldn't get it out. Um, yeah, I made a poster of it and put it on the wall. And basically it was, and I'm, I'm probably butchering it, but I, I got the gist of it, is that leadership is, is loving the mission and the team equally. <laughs> and I'm not going to try to explain that in, in great detail because this is supposed to be more family oriented and whatever. But, you know, one of the things that I will tell you is that, you know, as, as not your father, if I was, it'd be the same thing because I'd try to treat you just like my kids anyway. Um, you know, <laughs> what's the saying? Um, it's, it's really another gold piece of, of wisdom. You know, you don't have to train kids to be kids. They know how to do that already. They, it's ingrained into them. It's our job as parents to make you into an adult and train you to be adults. And to me, part of that is also the business aspect of it. You know, what do you do beyond high school? You know, I think parents and kids tend to have this idea. It's like, that's what I got to do. <laughs> I got to get you through high school or somewhere around there. And then the rest of it's up to you. But that ain't really how it is. Um, you know, it wasn't like that for me, I don't think, or at least I guess maybe it was for a point. And then I think we all had this realization that, you know, hey, that's not over yet. Um, but anyway, yeah, I mean, you know, as a father, you know, you you have to do things. Um, I, when I say father, please keep in mind, you know, a parent, whether you're father or mother or whatever, but the traditional gender role of being a father is kind of more what I'm talking about, but it can apply to mother, father, any kind of parent. But, um, you know, being a father goes beyond high school. It goes, it goes all the way to death and beyond. Um, I can't tell you about beyond death, you know, if you're on that side of it, but I can tell you about this side of it. But anyway, um, yeah, you, you gotta, you gotta know more about life than just what's, what's in front of you. you. There's more to life than, you know, the first 20 years. Um, there's a lot more, um, and being a, a son or a daughter or, or whatever you identify with, um, you have to know these types of things. Um, you, you need to be ready to be an adult. That's where your life really kind of I think starts, you know, it's like school and hormones and, you know, getting past, you know, this introductory phase, you know, <laughs> the intro mission to the game, if you will. Um, you know, that's where life, the game really starts is once you get past all that. And so we'll go back to that phrase. Leadership is, is loving the team and the mission equally. It's kind of like family in some way, you know, being at the head of the family, you have to love the family and the team equally, I guess, or family and the family members. Um, to us, you know, me and my wife, um, you know, there is a mission of where we're at and where we're going. So I would say more of like parenting is loving the mission and the family equally. And so to me, how I interpret that is that, you know, you have to love each other, 
but you also have to love what it is you collectively are trying to get to. Sometimes you, you need to pay more attention to where you're trying to get to as opposed to the people. It's like if my kids want chicken nuggets every night, um, you know, I would love to be able to do that for them. It doesn't necessarily make sense, though, because my end mission is to keep them healthy and to keep them going um, and get them to a better spot in life than we were. Um, and you're not really going to do that with chicken nuggets. So it's it's that balance. You know, sometimes you have to pay attention to the mission more than the family, but you can't be 100% on it. So there's this great balance, which is one of the things why I, I love, you know, philosophy, Eastern philosophy and Taoism and having that balance and understanding is, I think it's critical. Um, you know, the same thing, you know, growing up poor, which I did, um, I can totally say that and feel confident that I was was definitely poor, um, you know, not having money, not having something to eat was kind of a big deal. And sometimes you kind of felt, um, at least I felt like, like I shouldn't have spent money on something. And, um, part of me, yeah, that even at these early ages, you know, 15, 18, 20, you know, I kind of took it on myself as like, you know, it's stupid. I shouldn't buy this game or I shouldn't do this or whatever. But realistically, it's, I called it sanity maintenance. I had to maintain my sanity. If I didn't do these things and spend my money on something that entertained me, I would go crazy or I'd do something stupid. And I like to say it worked. So I think we got about four minutes left, something like that, maybe a little less. I guess it's where I tie things up and say, you know, balance is what it's all about. Um, you know, one of the things that probably the biggest reason we haven't done this podcast in so long is because we've had, we've had to do a lot of more of the, uh, family and the mission, um, the other parts of, of that than, than this aspect of it. But, um, Y'all are definitely flying back on our radar a whole lot more. You know, we've we've come up with a pretty good place to be able to do it. Um, and I think, the, you know, the consistency is always the key. And so that's where we're going to try to do it, be a little bit more consistent. So if you're looking for something to get you on to the next episode, just remember, you know, consistency is, is a big part of what's going on. Showing up is... 90% of what you've got to do, you know, show up, be there, be involved, be a part of it. Um, I think you'll find that the rest of you, if you don't know how to do it, you'll start to learn, but you got to show up. You got to, you got to be willing to, to make that level of commitment first to, to do it. Um, beyond that, um, hopefully the next um, podcast that we do, we will be out of the COVID quarantine and back to whatever normal life looks like <laughs> in 2021. Um, so we don't have an Instagram. We do have a Facebook page, um, but check us out on Facebook. Um, just look for you're not my father spelled U apostrophe R E not my father. And also on YouTube, where we have some some other videos. We've got something for just about everybody. Um, we're definitely family friendly. Every once in a while, we might say something that's a little PG, but um, you know, we're we've got really great insights. Some of our upcoming episodes are are going to be um, featuring Conan um, and Sophia doing quite a bit more things, uh, particularly around the science realm. And we're going to be doing a lot more videos which some of our podcasts will actually be part video, part podcast, um, or a combination of both. You'll be able to listen to us and or watch us in your preferred format. So we're looking forward to doing that. And until next time, stay safe, stay sane, and uh, practice good sanity maintenance and keep things in balance, y'all.